you are listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. coming to the close of this amazing series like no one else. And we've been preaching on all kinds of different messages, everything from a uh, how to have an amazing marriage to freedom in your finances. We started off with dealing with conflict, dealing with others, and uh, overcoming selfishness. That's a big one in our lives, right? But now we're going to end up landing the plane here with overcoming the world. Overcoming the world, it kind of sounds like it, like it wraps this whole thing up. Overcoming the world, Jesus overcame the world, and he expects every one of us to overcome the world. So, Romans 12.2, it says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is our keystone message, a keystone verse here for this entire series, this message. God wants us to know what is good and acceptable and perfect. All right. So what do I mean by overcoming the world? What do do I mean by overcoming the world? Before I can answer that question, I need to be able to tell you something. Just make a statement. And you all need to hear this. You were made for more. You were made for more. But more of what? More life? More love? More provision? More power? more sacrifice, more relationship with God and with others, more truly living. That's what more of means. Because you know what? You are all made to walk in the promised land. We're going to get into uh, the book of Joshua. So open up your books right there to Joshua, Joshua 3. It's a fantastic book. I recommend you read it just from start to finish. But we're going to jump in chapter three. Now, if you're new to Christianity, what is the promised land? This is a land, a physical place that God was trying to take the Israelites through Moses and Moses' leadership. He was trying to take the Israelites to this place where it was flowing with milk and honey. It was a place of provision. It was a place of safety. It was a place where the people of Israel could thrive and thrive abundantly, dwelling with God without any cares in the world. Sounds pretty amazing, right? Well, the problem is, is it took over 40 years, two generations to get to the promised land. And it really ought to, honestly, it only should have taken a two-day hike. 40 years in the wilderness. And do you know why? Because of sin. The sin of the people distracted them and got in the way, took them off the path and they, they didn't reach it, not in Moses' lifetime. Now, we're picking up in Joshua. And Joshua is leading the people of Israel now. 
And Moses didn't make it in. It's okay. God loved him. God brought Moses into the presence of God. He was with God after he passed away. But he never got to see the promised land. Today, we want to talk about each and every one of us getting to see the promised land. You see, for the Israelites, it was a physical location. But for us, it is a, it is a spiritual location. It's a state of being. You were made for more. Now, I need to share with you something. A little while ago, I was taking my kids out uh, snowboarding. They were skiing, I was snowboarding. And we love to do this. This is a family thing. This is one of my favorite things to do. I grew up doing it with my brothers, and it was just, it's a family thing. We just, who, who here likes to go skiing, snowboarding? Okay, well, surprisingly, not as many as I thought. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, get, I get it. It's expensive, but there's deals out there, guys. There's deals. But I will tell you this. It is one of the, my favorite things to do because in, when I am flowing through the trees, it, going in the powder, forget the New England packed powder. When we're blessed with a downpour of, you know, a big fluffy stuff, I am, that's where I'm like, oh. That I like, uh, we'll, we'll take time off to get to the mountain before anybody else so that I could have first tracks, right? It's just such a, uh. anyways, I'm with my boys and I'm with my, 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 um, my boys' cousins. It's a, it's a family thing. We've been having a great time doing this through the year. And uh, I'm just chasing the boys through the woods. It's been great. You know, they just zip in and out. And here I am following after them. And I'm doing these little tricks and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm not as young as I used to be. And uh, anyways, I, I go up over this lip, you know, uh, this, the trail goes like this and there's a lip and, you know, do little spins. One. Anyways, I come out and I do something stupid. I catch an edge. Who here knows what it feels like to catch an edge? Now, I didn't catch any edge. I caught my front edge. Yes. And let me tell you something, I felt all 220 pounds of me come down like a rock. And I didn't hit fluffy snow, I hit New England packed granular ice. You know, it, the, these guys do a really good job trying to keep the mountains over at Pat's Peak nice and, and good for everybody, but they're always a place. And I chose to find that place, and I came down hard. And I landed straight smack dab on my head. Yes. <laughs> yes, I was wearing a helmet. I popped up, shook myself off, making sure that the helmet wasn't cracked because I haven't landed that hard in a really long time, probably my 20s. So I'm like looking around all over the helmet. I'm good. But I had to stop and stay there for a minute. I wanted to make sure that I had no concussion because I've had a few of those and I know what that is. And so you just hang tight. You don't go down the mountain yet. Good, no, no dizziness, no, no, I saw my two fingers in front of me, not eight or 16, and I decided to get up and then go catch up with the rest of the pack. You know, it was a, it was a humbling experience, always is when you take a, take a dive, but the thing is, is that, you know, it's not normal, not a, it's not, it doesn't always happen. And I said, God, why did I catch an edge? That's so, that's so dumb. You know, I was taking a risk. You know what he said to me? He says, Jorgen is a perfect example 
of what happens when you go outside of my bounds. When you are going through the trees is great, but when you move outside of the trajectory that I have for you, and you try to do something in your own strength, you catch an edge and you put all of your weight, and you feel the earth coming down upon you. So, that to me was a wake-up call. You see, when um, all is well and we're abiding by the governing laws that God created, gravity being one of them, things are just as they should be. When we're abiding in in his ways, things are beautiful. And you feel that freedom. But the moment that you go outside of that, you're going to get hurt. And you're going to feel the weight of the world come, up, come down on me. For, you know, it was the weight of me coming down on the world. It's enough. But that's freedom to me when I'm going in and through and experiencing God's creation. We're so blessed to have the hills that we have to, to experience something just almost, I don't want to say supernatural, but it's not normal to fly through trees in snow. It's just freedom. You see, sin is an obstacle. Just like that little twig was, and I hit it just the right way, it was so small. But sin is an obstacle that gets in our way. So when when we talk about sin, we could talk about all the thousands of different activities that could be related as sin. Our our minds jump right to the the big ones like drug use and alcoholism, sexual abuse and sexual um, stuff. And and also (sighs) violent behavior. That was a big one. Violent behavior. Gambling, those type of addictions, those type of things that can overwhelm your life. But sin is also fear, anger, resentment, unforgiveness, hatred and rejection, partiality, racism. It's even failing to act when you know you should. Failing to act when you know you should. Laziness and apathy. And the list goes on from there. But can any one of you identify with any of these that I just listed? I know I can. Humility is critical. Humility is huge. It's, it's essentially saying, get real. And this is one of the things that we as humans have to do. We have to be humble. God says, be humble. He he resists the proud and he lifts up the humble, right? Did you know that denying sin is lying to yourself and that's sin? So gotcha. I mean, everybody in this whole room is subject to it. No matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how, if you're not a Christian at all, It still applies to you. So humility, we have to get to a place where we can be real with ourselves and say, this is an issue. 
So a heart of stone says that I don't have any problems. A heart of flesh says that I'm growing closer to Jesus and the problems that I had don't have me any longer. I want to say it again. A heart of stone says that I don't have any problems. A heart of flesh says that I'm growing closer to Jesus and the problems that I had don't have me anymore. So this is a journey. This is a, this is a pathway, just like the Israelites. You were made for more. So here's a secret. And Satan doesn't want you to know this. This is something that our adversary does not want you to know this. Talking about the, the promised land, the state of being for every believer. The way that you can enter into the promised land today, where in the midst of your current life, where everything changes and you're truly free, is to be in the presence of God. The way that you can enter into the promised land today is to be in the presence of God. And where you're in his presence, that's when you find freedom. I love the songs that were chosen this morning. Happened again on Thursday night. We didn't know, they didn't know what was going on with the message and the direction of the message. And I love it when God just orchestrates things so well. Freedom. So let's get into the Bible. Let's get into Joshua. I'll jump into Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. All this emotion, I'll tell you. You guys are there? All right. This is big. Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Consecrate. What does it mean to consecrate? It means to dedicate yourself to God. Dedicate yourself to God. So we're going to talk about Joshua in three stones, uh, sorry, 12 stones, Joshua and these 12 stones. Now, now Joshua's taken over leadership over Israel. He's leading them now that, that Moses is no longer a part of the group. And what is standing between them and the promised land is a river. And it's a significant river. It's a significant obstacle. Now, what God does is he tells the Israelites to do something very specific, which I'm going to read in, chapter, in uh, verse 7 through 13. Now, God is assuring the people of Israel that he is with them. Now, in verse 7, it says this, The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that I was with Moses, so I will also be with you. And as for you, command the priests to bear the Ark of the Covenant. Now the Ark is where the physical location of the presence of God dwelled among the Israelites. This is something that God chose. He wanted to be in close proximity to the Israelites. At that time, the, the Holy Spirit did not ascend upon people like he has today. So he was with the Israelites and chose to be in this little gold box that they carried. Sounds really funny. That's just because of where we are today. But this is a powerful thing. 
And the Israelites cherished this ark because of God's presence. So, and as far and as for you, command the priests who bear the ark of the covenant. When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Then, and then Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he, that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the, Gash, uh, the Girgish, Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. That's a lot of ites. That's a lot of, there's a lot of enemies. So, in this particular time frame, this is the en- these are the enemies that were coming against Israel. And each one of these enemies had a sin that they were known for. So what I want you to do is I want you to replace, as you're reading this, I want you to replace these peoples with particular sins that are in your way. And then Joshua said, here's how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out before you adultery, covetousness, anger, hatred, rejection, abuse, all of the things that you may have had struggles with in your past, alcoholism, drug use, any form of addiction. The Lord wants to remove that from your life. And it says in verse 11, it says, Behold, in the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each, of the, uh, each tribe, one man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing. And the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. What God was saying is, is that when he goes before the people of Israel, there's going to be a miracle. Did Joshua not say, consecrate yourself to the Lord and you will see wonders today? What he was saying is, is that when God goes before you, things radically change. Physical things change. This was a physical river and it dried up in front of them. They literally watched the waters do this, and they walked over not on muddy ground, but on dry ground. It was that dry. See, this is a miracle. If you want to see these type of miracles in your own life, you need to be in the presence of the Lord. You need... God's presence to go before you. And I have, uh, the word of the Lord came to me while preparing this message. And he said, I want you to tell people this. I I want everyone in this room to hear this. And he said, son, daughter, where are you? I am here where you are. Dwell with me that I might drive out from you that sin. 
that you, will, that you no longer will be crushed by it. You no longer will be crushed by it. I am here, where are you? Proximity to God. God is not some far off distant creature. He is the living, most, the, the living God of all the earth. And he is here right now in your circumstance. And he asks you, where are you? God says that you were made for more. So after this miracle that took place, the Israelites walked through on dry ground into the promised land. But he told the Israelites to do something a little wild, the Hebrews. He told them to grab a man from every tribe and grab a rock. To pick up a rock that was in the bed and to carry it upon them. To take it across to the other side. And this is a significant illustration for the Israelites. And it's a significant illustration for you. Why did God say to pick up a rock from the bed of the Jordan to go across to the other side? And what he said was to put them all, all 12, in a circle where they would, it would be a memorial. It would be a memorial so that when the next generation would come and see these rocks, they would tell them God did a miracle by drying up the Jordan River and allowing us to walk into the promised land. The rock, why? It was heavy. What was, why, why a rock? Could it have been a stick? Could it have been something small? No, it was to signify the weight of the obstacle that God removed from his people. And for each one of you, the Lord says, the things that you have overcome in your life, I've called you to overcome the world as I have overcome the world. When Jesus died and rose again, he overcame the world and gave each and every one of us the same power. So whatever sin was in your life, the Lord says, you are not meant to be crushed by it. You are meant to carry it. You were meant to take it, and it was a memorial. That doesn't mean we, f- we flaunt our sins. That's stupid. That's not what that means at all. What he means is, look, this. you can tell your kids, hey, I dealt with alcoholism. I no longer deal with alcoholism today because of what God has done in my life. I don't have to be a drug addict because of what God, his power, his presence has done in my life. You need to be on proximity. You need to be close to Jesus. I'll tell you this, that we need one another. This was not an individual exercise for every, every Hebrew. This was, this was a group of people that came together that God chose. He said, one of every tribe. There are 12 of us. And they came and laid the memorial on the other side in the place of freedom. 
we're a part of this ministry here at Grace Capital Church. I'm a part of this ministry here. At Grace, and there's a lot of people here that are a part of the ministry here at Grace Capital Church called Celebrate Recovery. And it's a wonderful ministry. A lot of people think it's for people that are dealing with big stuff. And can I tell you something? That's not true. It's for everything, every kind of issue. And I'm saying, be real with yourselves and understand, you know what? I have stuff I need to get over. I need, I need freedom and I need God to bring me through the river and I need his presence. In Celebrate Recovery, there are 12 steps and I find it just really interesting how he chose to do that. 12 steps that really talk about kingdom living, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the freedom from sin, all in a 12-step program that is designed to bring you through to the other side of the river. We meet here on every Friday night, every Friday night at 6.30, and it's a great time. The reason why we need each other is because God glorifies himself in us in a group setting. Because in our relate, we are designed to be relational. And and I don't know about you, but some of us could walk around with big smiles on our faces and say, hey, everything's good, everything's good, everything's good. And then when you get home, you're like, I can't believe I was able to hold that smile the whole time. Right? A facade. We're not a people of a facade, and we should not be that kind of people. We need to be real with one another. We need to be able to share the things in our lives with each other so that we will be free. I challenge you, if, that, if God's putting it on your heart even now, to come out to see or just to see what it looks like, don't hesitate. If that prompting is hitting you, don't, don't uh, slough it off. Put that on your schedule. See what God will do in and through relationship, the Holy Spirit, the journey that God has us on. Because truly the promised land is where we are supposed to live. In your everyday, where you see miracles every day. God says, where are you? I am here. Wherever you are, he is here. Be in his presence. Seek him. Obey him. Pick up this stone and walk to the other side. You were made for more. Amen. Let's pray together. Let's stand and pray. Father God, you are a miraculous, miraculous person. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. 
And we are so lucky today to be able to have the presence of the Holy Spirit abide and walk with us and us in you. Lord, we lay down the things, the obstacles that have been in our way where we know that in our strength, we can't do this. We can't go through the Jordan River and cross to the other side without you. Thank you, Jesus. We admit that to you. We take a step back of reality and say, no, there are things, Lord, in our hearts that need to be dealt with. You know them better than I do. Father, we pray for each and every one of us here in this room that we would be open to you exposing those things because you expose them to get rid of them. Because in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says that in him there is no darkness, that you are light and you expose all the things that just need to go. You love us. You took us in. But you don't want us to remain where we are. You're taking us all on this journey into the promised land. Thank you, Jesus. I want to release it to you, Father God, that we would would make a commitment right now that we will intentionally turn our eyes and our hearts to you every day. That we will start our mornings with you and we will start our middays with you and we will start our evenings with you and we will start by going to bed with you, Jesus, before we lay our heads down. You are our all in all. Thank you, Jesus. For those of you that are in this room that don't know the Lord Jesus who I'm talking about. You may know of him, but you don't know him. You've never given your life to Jesus Christ. I want to invite you into the kingdom of God here and now today. If you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, and what that means is that you're bowing the knees of your heart before him, if that is you, I want, to, I want you to raise your hand so I can see you and I can celebrate with you. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, I want you to raise your hand and be bold about it because Jesus is a bold God. Thank you, Lord. He loves you and wants to walk with you. So, Father God, we just come before you, and I pray for all those that are here today that need the encouragement of your presence, that each and every person here would walk out feeling not just the high of your Holy Spirit, God, but the assurance that they are saved, that they are forgiven, and that you're walking directly with them. We love you, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If this ministry has impacted you and you would like to partner with Grace Capital Church to impact the communities around you, please join us at gccnh.com forward slash partners.